and welcome back to Canalis Inside Conversations. It's our first episode of the new year. Happy 2021 to everyone. Um, we're going to dive right into it with some uh, interesting announcements that's been happening in the world of technology. Alistair, let's start here. Um, Pat Gelsinger has announced that he is going to depart VMware um, to join his uh, old former company, Intel. Um, you know, that the news of that sent VMware's stock down about 7% uh, and uh, Intel's conversely up 7% roughly. Um, but what do you think? Is this a worse loss for VMware or a better gain for Intel? <laughs> yeah, good, good question. Uh, I think it's, well, let's maybe touch on both companies in turn. I think it's, it's great news for Intel. I can understand why the stock's gone up. Um, you know, Pat brings huge uh, experience, you know, huge kudos in terms of his engineering background, his understanding of, of both Intel and the challenges that it faces. And, you know, he's, he's such a face in the industry um, that, uh, you know, I think Intel is, is going to be in uh, certainly a lot safer the hands than it has been under, um, under Bob Swan. So yes, it's, it's good news for Intel. Um, I guess we can touch on in more detail what, you know, what will happen with Intel. But, um, I think for VMware, it's, 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 you know, it's bad news because, Pat has been, you know, he's been the driving force there. He's taken that business from, uh, you know, a relatively, I mean, one trick pony is probably a bit harsh, but a relatively focused single product company to, you know, a company with revenues of over 12 billion, um, spanning really with a full end-to-end -end portfolio across sort of hybrid IT, public cloud, uh, sorry, cloud um, endpoint or uh, digital workspace, security, networking, and now, of course, application management. So, um, you know, he's really transformed that business and, and, and VMware is in a very strong position for the future. So finding somebody who's kind of, who comes with the same level of, of energy and uh, vision, I think it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah. Going back to Intel, I mean, you know, we've said for uh, uh, some time now that, you know, when you actually look at it, Intel has been performing well from a revenue standpoint. So, uh, well, it's not so far back in 2020, um, but its challenge has really been one of engineering ones, trying to get its new one and um, uh, seven nanometers out. And we've said that they need a uh, an engineer to come in to fix that problem. And absolutely, that's what Pat Gelsinger um, brings. And so... Um, I think Intel, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge gain for them. And meanwhile, VMware, you know, VMware was performing well. Its revenue was still growing in 2020, but its share price has been somewhat muted since a peak in, in, in 2019. I think that's more down to, um, you know, its position within the Dell Technologies organization and, and, and many in the industry feeling that it would be best served to be kind of relinquished from that relationship. Um, but, um, you know, now we're looking at VMware losing its, you know, two of its top uh, lieutenants in quick succession um, in the matter of months. Um, previously, you know, its CEO Rajiv um, Ramaswani has left to 
lead or be the CEO of Nutanix. And we've seen a lawsuit um, uh, uh, unveil on the back of that. Um, Nutanix and VMware fierce competitors. So it's a bit of a blow for VMware to, to start 2021. It is, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, well, just, just going through those in turn, I think for Intel, I mean, the, and obviously there's been a lot of scrutiny on its behavior, on its performance and management over the last couple of years. Um, it's very kind of easy to say that Bob Swan just wasn't the right man for the job. Um, but they have, you know, they've made so many missteps. They, the manufacturing challenges it's faced obviously were exacerbated by the COVID situation, um, but were at the same time, uh, you know, a problem of their own doing to many, to, for, for many reasons. And, you know, they've completely missed out on the, um, the, the opportunity um, to, to capture this mass, massive growth in the, uh, the PC market, in the notebook market, they missed that mobile shift. And, uh, you know, given, have given obviously AMD in particular, um, a huge advantage in that. Um, I mean, the, the pain is still being felt in the channel, for example, you know, a lot of uh, the big PC vendors who um, have benefited from this wave would have benefited far more if Intel had uh, got its manufacturing challenges sorted out. And those manufacturing challenges uh, extend ahead of it into the future. You mentioned the seven, seven nanometer challenge, you know, that's now being they're still talking about delays till I think 2022 because of their process challenges. And that's going to be a long-term thing, which obviously Pat now has to sort out. So I guess he's, because there is one question is why would Pat, you know, what, what does Pat see as the opportunity for him in, uh, in Intel? So um, he has, I guess what he sees is an opportunity to really solve Intel's immediate or short-term problems but also take it in and kind of continue the strategy it's been pursuing, um, not very successfully up to now, to be more than just a CPU company, mm. um, you know, to expand its reach into many new parts of the uh, of the ecosystem, uh, to win back some of the uh, some of the losses it's made to say AMD, Nvidia, and others. And, um, you know, really become more of a transformational engine, which I think it aspires to, to do. So I'm sure he's got a lot of ideas and, but it, you know, he still faces some challenges, which might be beyond his control, uh, in achieving that. So it's a, it is a big job for him. Um, but one, I think he's, you know, he's, he's clearly up to doing. Yeah. Um, well, we should wrap up this topic, but, um, just to close out on a couple of points, um, uh, going back to Bob Swan, and I actually do think it's fair to highlight that a lot of the challenges um, that Intel has had, you know, some of which he really inherited um, when he when he took over a few years ago. So um, I actually think he's done well to somewhat right the ship, but you know, really, I do think it needs um, you know someone with a much more technical acumen to, to understand some of the challenges that they face, you know, really deeply. Um, to come in and to to drive the real changes that um, need to be uh, need to be done. So I, I I wouldn't put the the blame on Bob Swan at all. I just I think it's a as you highlighted it's a monumental challenge that they were um, faced with. And, and as for Pat's uh, ambitions, I mean it's it's a good question to ask. But 
you know, he, I think he's pretty much said it's like going home for him. It's where, where he kind of really started and built to, uh, most of his career. Um, and so I, I think there's the, um, the uh, kind of the emotional piece for him maybe to, to go back and to kind of potentially end his career there and hopefully on a, on a, on a good note, if he's able to have some uh, strong success over the next couple of years. I also do wonder if that whole, um, the Dell VMware relationship, you know, if you were to ask him, you know, off record, would he really want to have have VMware be as aligned to Dell as it has been over the last couple of years? Um, I'm sure he would say no. I think he's one that really saw the value of VMware being an independent company out there, able to work with all kinds of um, of OEMs. He he never he 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 towed the line very well. He never um, um, he wasn't a rebel CEO, um, so to say. He had a great relationship with Michael Dell, but. Um, to me, I, I, I do wonder if part of him um, felt a little bit shackled um, with some of the directions that Dell Technologies was trying to go with its um, portfolio. So maybe Intel also represents a much more um, uh, freer kind of uh, a CEO environment, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, that's a good point. And that, there's, there's a couple of points around that. Firstly, will, it, will this accelerate the spin-off of VMware that's been talked about for some time? You know, the share price has gone down. Um, does that give more of an impetus to that uh, to that spin-off. I think it's, you know, it's it's likely to happen. Dell said it's likely to happen. And I think it will benefit VMware um, to be spun off, although obviously that doesn't mean it being sold in its entirety. I think the other question or the other point to make is that um, obviously Pat going to Intel is probably good news for Dell as well, because, you know, they have such a close relationship. They have a, you know, they're, they're far more engaged in the, in the Intel relationship um, than they are with, with AMD, far more so than um, some of the other vendors. And that's actually been a disadvantage to, to a certain extent in terms of supply chain for Dell. But, um, you know, it's going to be a great benefit for Michael Dell and, uh, and the business to have Pat in that role. Um, it will only serve to strengthen the relationship that already exists between uh, Intel and Dell. I mean, Dell is, I think, the uh, number one um, Intel customer already if not close to. Yeah, great. So let's move on. We're only covering two topics today. And the second one is uh, off the rumor mill. We're going into the channel now. Um, so uh, rumor of uh, Atos, uh, a French system integrator looking to buy DXE technology um, for a rumor for about $10 billion. Uh, and they might have even confirmed that. Um, I mean, Alistair, if you were to template a a bad idea would um would this be high, would this be a, a a good example of of uh you know of something the not to do well on paper uh yes it and which is as you said it's um it's a rumor at the moment i think both companies have or at least atos has kind of confirmed that it has uh has made a, a you know it's approached dxc um but there's no guarantee that anything will happen. Whether it will be, uh, will it, whether it will actually be, um, be achieved for for Atos. But on paper, it does look like uh, a lot of money for a company which doesn't really bring a lot in terms of where Atos seems to be wanting to take its business. You know, in terms of the strategic priorities around cloud, digital security. You know, DXD since it's. Um, spin-off from HPE and its uh, merger with CSC 
has really been a company very focused on managed infrastructure services. It's kind of missed out on some of the, the cloud um, opportunity that Accenture and Atos and others have, have capitalized on more effectively. Its revenue has been consistently declining. You know, it's kind of got a, a feel of a sort of lumbering dinosaur in that, in that uh, infrastructure services space. Um, and, you know, at the moment, it's going through a sort of round of, of um, spin-offs and sell-offs of, of business that tries to right-size the business, that tries to, you know, reduce the net losses that it's, that it's making. It's making huge net losses on a quarterly basis, hundreds of millions every quarter. Um, so why does Atos want to spend so much money on, on what is, you know, not really something that brings a lot um, uh, to, to the business apart from I think a few th there's a couple of things that seem to make sense for Atos firstly it brings scale um, and particularly in the US um, I think North America is is you know the one area of Atos's business that's that's um, that's still too small it's about a quarter less than a quarter of the total which obviously is far uh, far different to most of its competitors um, you know it gets rid of one of its you know, top competitors as well. It takes out um, in a market, which is, you know, there's a lot of competition. Um, and, you know, Atos itself has seen its revenue decline in, in 2020. So it helps to bring its scale and, and revenue. Um, and it also uh, gives Atos, you know, um, additional headcount. It, uh, you know, it strengthens it as a, as a global player. Um, and I think that's why it will, um, it will be looking to, to take this business on and, and, but I mean, it's going to face a lot of internal work to start to continue that sort of right sizing that the business has been going through. So, um, it's one of those deals that's not particularly exciting, but, um, it's, you know, it's probably like to happen to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you could see the reason why they want to do it on paper because immediately Atos jumps and becomes a top three SI in, in, in the world, right? And, um, you know, with some shakeup happening in that space, um, IBM, you know, separating out its infrastructure um, uh, business. So really it's those two, I think, that would be challenging behind Accenture, which by the way, still, um, you know, is... Um, leaps and bounds ahead of, uh, uh, of, the, of both of those companies in terms of um, revenue, probably even in terms of modernization in some respects. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Atos, um, you know, it is, it's doing a lot in terms of taking on smaller um, companies to bring you know, new modern skill sets into the organization. I think it's recently acquired a cybersecurity company and in Canada. And these types of moves are similar to what Accenture has been doing over the past few years, buying lots of cloud consulting companies to bring some of these new modern skills in-house. Um, and I think that's absolutely what an SI needs to be um, doing as it looks to modernize its skill set, but to take on a, a legacy company that really is the remnants of, of HP services, of EDS, of CSC, um, and as you rightly put, a, a kind of a lumbering dinosaur um, feels like a, just too much of a monumental task, and they will be bogged down by trying to, um, you know, streamline internal operations rather than being uh, nimble and reacting to the fast-paced 
technology world that we're we're all in right now and mm -hmm. um and and that's that's even before we go and talk about the cultural challenges that exist from you know a france-based company acquiring a u.s company and you know in in the history of technology that that, that never works right i think there's some you know um the alcatel lucent uh experiment, for example, um, is one that was just kind of fraught with um, problems from day one. And um, I think this in terms of size, um, in, term, in terms of uh, comparisons, it's it's awfully similar. And so um, I, I think this would be, um, um, it's likely, to, it, it looks likely to happen, just again, going to that point of um, scale and becoming a top player in the market. But um, um, expect there to be lots of headaches if it does happen, and uh, um, it will be a transformational few years uh, or number <laughs> of years for them. Yeah, it is a risk for them. I agree, and I think you know the, their competitors are going to seek to capitalize on this as well. Because um, mm -hmm. actually, if you're not Atos, if you're one of the other big players, it's great news. One of those, um, you know, that that big player that's that's uh, um, you know just another competitive headache is will be two will become one um and and atos is the one that's having to deal with it so i imagine atos's competitors are not particularly disappointed to see this happen yeah absolutely good so that's our first episode of 2021 uh, wrapped up and done um thank you all for taking the time to join us today and uh, we'll be back shortly with another episode of canalis inside conversations <music>